Good morning, Portview Church. I want to let you know what's going to be happening this fall for our adult Wednesday night classes. Um, we have a, a group of three classes that we run um, every year, and we think they're designed to help all of us grow. Matter of fact, the classes that we have, we think every person in the church should go through. It doesn't matter if you're new to your faith or old to your faith, if you're new to Portview or old to Portview, we think everybody would benefit from going through our, our first three classes that we have. And so the first class in our in our series is it's called Through the Bible. And that is a class um, where you as a group will actually read the Bible when you're at home. Then you'll come together. You'll talk about what you read and you'll use an inductive Bible study method to then unpack what the scriptures say. You'll do it as a group. You'll learn together and you'll learn how to read the Bible properly and, and figure out what God's really trying to say to us through the scriptures. The second class is called the Trek. And the Trek is a class actually based on science. It's about neurobiology. And it deals with how the brain works tied to the things of our past. So we look back at our past. We look maybe at hurts from our past or, or um, wrong thinking from our past. And the class helps us to unwind those things and move past them so the things in our past don't affect us today and won't hinder us for the future. It's an excellent class. And in the third class is the Good and Beautiful God series. That's a class that myself and Suzanne have been co-teaching for nine years. And it's a class that helps us figure out how do we grow to become more like Jesus. We examine the narratives we believe about ourselves and God. We engage in spiritual activities together as a class. And as a class, we grow and develop. And when we get done, we look back and go, wow, we're different than we were when we started. It's a great class. So these three classes together kind of build the foundation that we think is really important for establishing our Christian lives and going forward into the ministry areas that God calls each one of us into. So we really think it's important that we all do all the classes. In addition to those three classes, we also will be offering uh, divorce care this year. Divorce care is just a, a great class designed for a special niche, anybody who's who's gone through the pain of divorce. And uh, we really think it's important to love each other in these hard times. And this class is designed to do that and give you tools for going forward. It's also a great, great class to invite a family member or friend to that's gone through the pain of divorce. Because uh, we really believe the answer for their healing lies in Jesus. And so it'll be a great class to invite somebody to. So, hey, invest in yourself. Join one of our classes this fall. You won't be sorry that you did it. Bless you, friends. So those classes will be kicking off on September 6th. September 6th is an open house um, where we're going to have a, a cookout that's going on. And um, then you'll, we'll start in here with a little bit of worship. We'll talk about the classes. People get to go then to the different classrooms and see what the classes are. Get further information if you want to. Um, find out more. You can get signed up. The Trek class, you actually have to sign up. It's a class that we use another organization's materials um, and that Mike and Cora lead that. And you'd have to actually sign up through their organization so we can help you with that. And then um, then we're just going to hang out for the rest of the night having a cookout that'll be here. Cookout starting at 6.30 p.m. and I'm sorry, 6 o'clock p.m. The cookout is beginning. And we have an ask for you. We have an incredible group of people that every Wednesday night volunteer to take care of all of our kids. Now, we have ministries in the school year from everything from birth through adult on Wednesday nights. The place is packed on Wednesday nights. And a lot of the people that do our, our early childhood classes, so um, babies and toddlers and preschoolers, they are there 
serving every single Wednesday night. And a lot of them would like to actually be able to take a class, but they can't ever take a class because they're watching everybody's kids who are taking the classes. Now, some of you have been through the classes, at least the classes that you desire to take, and we're going to ask you to do something. If you've taken the classes already or taken the ones that you desired to take, and you could say, hey, I could even volunteer one Wednesday night a month um, taking care of our littles, we would love that. And if you're willing to do that, Christine would love to talk to you. She would love to because we're trying to give some of the people that are serving every week the opportunity to be like, hey, I want to take that class for, for 10 years and I can't because I'm always serving in, in the, in the um, watching the, the kids. And so or, or teaching the kids, that's watching, teaching the kids, blessing the kids. And so if you would ask the Lord if maybe he wants you to serve a Wednesday night a month um, in early childhood, we would love to have you do that. Right? Amen. Well, hey. We are blessed to have Pastor Paul coming, continuing on with our series about the patriarchs. Come on up, Pastor Paul. Good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm encouraged already. It's been nice to just sit and enjoy worship with, with our church family. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Suzanne's kind of encouragement today. You know, encourage comes from this idea of we need a little courage sometimes in our lives. Encouragement is giving us kind of that oomph to kind of move forward. So I I trust and I hope that you've gained a little bit of courage today to walk out into what is coming up in our lives. And I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad that you were intentional this morning. You chose to get up. You chose to come here. You chose to receive from the Lord and hopefully... You've chosen to also give some encouragement to each other. And so we're here today not only to receive, but to give in worship to the Lord, but also it could be that a word that you say today gives a little courage to somebody else. Today we're going to go through a a passage that Pastor Mark touched on last week. It's that wrestling between Jacob and and God that happened uh, just Genesis chapter 32 And it's interesting because as we're going through these ordinary men who are coming in contact with an extraordinary God, these are not perfect people. In fact, they are very flawed individuals. And yet God used them to establish the line that would eventually bring Jesus into the world and that would give us a true hope, not only for our lives today, but that there is an eternity of hope for us ahead. And it's interesting because uh, as Pastor Mark and I were talking through the series as we were going through, I really, I was drawn to the hard passages, right? The, as we look through Genesis, there's some really it's questionable passages, like what's really going on here, right? And, uh, and so I landed on this wrestling thing, and as I was studying it, Martin Luther, the great theologian, put it this way. He said, this is the most perplexing scripture in the Bible. So I have some work in front of me today. So let's handle it slowly. Let's be intentional today with the Word of God. If you have your Bible, grab it, open it up. We're going to spend a little time looking at it today, kind of uh, passage by passage and verse by verse, and hopefully by the end of the day, God will guide us into some truths and that we would have that courage, that the bravery to face what God has for our lives. Genesis chapter 32 
beginning with verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, this is Jacob, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And and he said, Jacob. And then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you are asking my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the sinew of the thigh. That's a little weird, right? Are you with me? Are you with Martin Luther today? It's a little strange, right? So let's pray. Let's try to gain something from the Lord today. Lord, I thank you for your word. And once in a while, we do scratch our head. And uh, Lord, I do truly believe that your whole word is our guide for faith and practice, and that the Old Testament directs us and points us to Jesus, points us to a life with you, Lord. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had a wrestling match. I was not a very athletic child growing up. Um, I, at about my freshman year, I got stuck at about 138 pounds up until I got married. You wouldn't believe it today, right? Right? 138 pounds. I went to college and I got a roommate named Randy and Randy was a state wrestler here in Wisconsin, Ottawa, Paca. And I got beat up all the time in Bible college. You think, what are they doing at Bible college? I learned how to take a punch, right? And, uh, and every semester they'd allow us, we had a TV room in the basement that the walls were covered with, with carpeting. Did anybody ever do that before, right? 1970s coming back again, right? And they let us take all the furniture out of the room. It was about a 14 by 14 foot room. And take the doors off the hinges. We'd stick 40 guys in the room. And the last guy in the room wins. Right? You wonder what we do at Bible college. Right? This is study the word. And, uh, and the interesting thing of those little Bible college is we had a football team. And so the goal of all of us little guys was to get the offensive lineman out first. Right? And these big guys, and we would wrestle, and we would fight, and, and the next day we would just be covered in carpet burn all over our faces and our arms, and, and we would have just have a great time. Uh, best I ever did in the two years that I was at that school was sixth place, which is pretty good for a buck 38, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, the whole thing, all 40 guys just fighting and wrestling and just having a good time, it lasted about 30 minutes. And I mean, you're just drenched, your hair's drenched with sweat, your clothes are all drenched, everybody's just injured and, and beaten up. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of a wrestling match before, but what we see here is this conflict that 
Jacob has with this man that lasts all night long. I've never had that kind of a wrestling match before. All night long. And we're going to just go through this verse a little bit of time and say, what is the significance of this wrestling match? Why, why was this a big deal? Because it's interesting that it has become a point that Israel has always pointed back to, the, the nation of Israel, pointed back to being significant, right? And, and we don't want to take, read too much into it or too much out of it, but let's just take it like one question at a time and try to figure it out. First of all, where did this happen? It says the fort of Jabbok, which is the entrance from the south into the promised land. And for, for Jacob, he has been out of the promised land, this place that God has given him for his family, for the nation to come. He's been out of it for 20 years. He took off 20 years earlier. He was running from his brother Esau. He had deceived his father for this birthright. And the birthright is actually the first time we see it in all of Scripture where we see that the blessing, both financially, practically, and spiritually, typically would go to the firstborn son. It doesn't really happen before this. It's the first time we're seeing this tradition being something. And, and it actually trickles down throughout a lot of cultures after this that the first son gets the inheritance over everyone else. And Esau, Jacob's brother, he was going to get the birthright, but Jacob tricked him out of it. And after, after Isaac, the father who was mostly blind, blessed Jacob with the birthright, put that blessing over him, Jacob took off, right? Took off scared. Why? Because his brother was a big, hairy guy. And for whatever reason, he was afraid of him. He was afraid. In fact, Genesis 27.4 says that Esau was committed and said, next time I see Jacob, I'm going to kill him. Right? So if you've got family problems, they had family problems. So Jacob thinks, best thing I can do is get out of here. So Jacob spends 20 years away. It's where he meets his sister wives, you know, not really a good thing, right? But Leah and Rebecca, they get married, and, and he has a mess of kids, and God blesses him practically and financially, where his, his flocks just become so big, and he works so hard. At this point, he's deciding to go back, to leave his father-in-law's family, to go back into the promised land, and he's scared to death, Right? The chapter before this, he's talking about how can I appease Esau? How can I go back and don't start a war? How can I make sure he just doesn't kill off my entire family? Right? And so he's nervous. And so he sends his family up over the river, over the stream, entering back into the promised land after 20 years. And here he's going to reconcile. It's interesting because from those 20 years, there is this bracketing of experiences. In fact, in, in uh, biblical literature, it's called an inclusio. In other words, when, when Jacob left, he left and had this spiritual experience that we often call Bethel, the house of God, where he sees this amazing vision from God, and then he goes off for 20 years, and as he's entering back in, it's almost like that season of his life was coming to an end, and it was bracketed with a second experience with God. Right, And this was this wrestling match. And this one little experience comes right in the middle of this time when he's just running away from the reality of all of his flaws, of his deception, and all the things that he was doing. And he's coming back into conflict. He's coming back into a hard time. I don't know if you've ever gone through a hard season. 
Maybe a hard season that you have created. We don't like saying this, but some of the hardest things we go through are not our fault, or are not the fault of other people, but it's our fault. Right? We're here because we've done this, and we go through the hard times, and that was Jacob. And here he's coming back, and he's intent on finding reconciliation with Esau. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us that foundation for ourselves today when it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. So Jacob is coming back for reconciliation. I think a good thing. He had left as being that, that schemer. So who is this man? And it's interesting because I've read a lot on him this week. I've just been reading a lot on this man that just kind of comes forward and they start wrestling together, right? John Wesley and his hymn, Come, O Thou Traveler Unknown, called him Jesus. Called him Jesus. He really believed it was Jesus that was the wrestler there. An early historian from about 100 or 200 after, years after Jesus' death was Josephus, and he thought Jacob was just having some kind of a dream. Philo equally so in the same age, really just believed that he was dealing with his personal vices. Jerome thought it was just an earnest prayer meeting. I don't know, I've never had a prayer meeting that really threw out my hip before. Come on Wednesday nights, praise God, right? But Jacob put it this way. He called that place, he called that place Penuel, which means God face to face. Jacob really felt like this, this physical man that he was in conflict w- with was God. And in fact, Hosea would later put it this way. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. And so I think the best interpretation, the best understanding of this wrestling match that was going on is this guy was what we would today call a theophany or a physical representation, a visible manifestation of humankind to God. It was a way in which God was kind of connecting with man in a physical way. And we see this happening several times in Scripture. Uh, one was just with Abraham as... as uh, these, these individuals came and talked to Abraham about the impending doom for Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Several different locations, God reveals himself in, in humankind and connects with us. And uh, that's, that's what it is for this situation, a theophany, whether an angelic being or a representation of God himself. And God used this theophany and, and prophets prior to Jesus' coming. And now, now it's totally different. Now, sometimes we know in New Testament, Scripture talks about occasionally we entertain angels unaware. How many of you read that Scripture, right? Where there are circumstances that we may interact with something more than a person. But Hebrews 1 gives us a little guidance in that. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom... Also, he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Today, we have the opportunity of connecting with Jesus and knowing God through Jesus. 
Through his word, it is revealed to us. And so you don't have to worry about if the person sitting next to you is a theophany or not. Could be, right? I don't know. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit that is sent by Jesus is today interacting with us, is today guiding us. John 14, 26 puts it this way, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. So today, if you're really wanting to connect with God, it's probably not going to be a wrestling match for us today because God has sent Jesus and Jesus has brought his spirit on us. And so today, we are being led by the advocate, we are being guided by his spirit, and he is walking with us in our lives. And I encourage you today, this week, to connect with the spirit of God, to be open to the spirit's guidance, to open to what he's saying. There's a book called Deep Work, specifically uh, concerning the workforce in our work lives. It was written by Cal Newport. And he writes about two kinds of things that we do in our normal daily lives. He calls the work and deep work. Work has to do with tasks, right? Any, everybody has tasks. Maybe your job is more task-oriented, where you come into your workplace or you come into your daily life and you gotta got to get things done, right? And it's just one thing after another. But for, for others, maybe our work time, maybe a portion of our day or all of our day, is what Cal would call deep work. And this is where kind of time just kind of flies away. Creative people have a tendency of doing more deep work where they get really lost in their work, right? And they, you sit down and maybe you have to write something or maybe you have to study something or maybe you have to create something and you sit down and suddenly four hours is gone. That's what Cal would call deep work where you're really engaged in the, in the, the thing you have to do. And he likens then our own spiritual lives in that. You know, sometimes we are connecting with God on a very task-oriented thing. Maybe you're here today, task-oriented. I'm going to church. Done, right? But I challenge you to do the deep work, right? Engage with the Holy Spirit. Open your heart when you do your devotions during the week, uh, uh, Suzanne uh, just talked a little bit about her devotions, right, where she sensed that the Holy Spirit was guiding her in a direction. That's deep work, right? You're, you're opening up your heart to the guidance of the Spirit through His Word. Well, here we have the Spirit in our lives to guide us in this quality time with the Lord. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I even talked about tarrying. Spending an extended amount of time with the Lord, doing the deep work, doing the listening, and letting the Holy Spirit guide us. I had a real question when I was reading this passage. How in the world could, could Jacob wrestle with God and not completely get destroyed? Right? I mean, you'd think the whole thing is over, right? I, I really think that this man, this theophany, was being patient with him. That was just engaging him. That was, was in, in relationship with him through that wrestling match. In fact, at one point, when Jacob wouldn't let go of him, and he said, let me go, the, the, the night is over, um, he wouldn't let go. And, and in just one touch, he touched his hip and, and put it out for the rest of his life. Right? So we know at any time this theophany, he could get it done. 
right? He could have it over. But he was engaging him. He was, he was trying to, to engage Jacob, and Jacob wanted something. And that's really the, what the question is. What in the world was Jacob wanting? And I really believe that he wanted God's best. He wanted God's best for his life. And he was wrestling with God until he could get that blessing of God's best. He was going into a situation that he did not know what would happen. He could be bringing his family into their death the next morning. You think about that? Esau is committed to killing his brother. And he's wrestling with the fact that he's walking his family into most likely their death. He needed God's blessing. I don't know if you've ever been to that place in your life where you're like, if God doesn't show up, I don't know what's going to happen. God showed up. Why was Jacob wrestling with the theophany? And I, I think it, it goes back to who he is and what he was struggling with. At one point, the theophany asks him, what's your name? Now, if he truly is God, does he really need to ask? Right? Probably not. But he's asking for a reason because Jacob tells him his name. And we know that Jacob means schemer, deceiver. He is a, a man who is a manipulator of other people. His name reflected his identity, his being. Today, don't, we, don't really, we don't really go by our names very much, do we? Right? We, I don't know. Do you, does everybody know what your name means? I think most people have looked it up in the past, right? I know Paul has a tendency of being a little one, right? So working on that, <laughs> right? So our names mean different things. For Jacob, his name really meant you are a schemer, you're a manipulator, you're a deceiver, right? And in those moments when, Jay, when the Theophany was asking him that question, who are you? He says, I'm a schemer. I'm a liar. He says, no, I'm giving you a new name. You're now the one who struggles with God. You're now the one who comes to God for that blessing. You're now the one desiring God's best by any means necessary. You're the one seeking God. And here's the thing. Any encounter with God gives us the possibility to be changed forever. Changing our lives. I don't know if you've ever had an experience with God where you can say, you know what, from that day forward, my life was just different. I truly believe those moments are still available to us. Where in one moment, our lives can be different. God can change us. God can change our personality. God can change our situation. For, for Jacob... It changed who he was. He was no longer the schemer. He was no longer the deceiver. And his life would be changed forever. What is with the hip? I didn't get that, right? Like, why, why in the world, you know? And I think it's just kind of weird that nobody is going to be eating the sinew around the joint. Like, that's really a prime piece of meat anyhow, right? I'm like, oh, if I could get the sinew, Right? But at the end of the day, they wouldn't do it, and they keep remembering back to this injured hip where in just one touch, the theophany touches the hip, it's, he's, he's changed, and it's a constant reminder of who he was and who God wants him to be. How many of you remember who you were? I do. I look back, and I, I'm glad that I'm someone different. I'm glad that God is bringing me through. I'm glad that God is transforming me. He does so immediately. He does that over time. 
right? God does something powerful in our lives. He changes us, and he's always there for us. And it, I'm so thankful that there is an equationary part of our faith, right? We are saved by grace through faith. That's like, almost like an equation, right? That when we put faith into our lives, faith in Jesus Christ and who he is, we put our faith in him that grace comes upon us and our lives are changed. Forever forgiven, forever a new life in him. And it's almost like transactionary spirituality, but that's not where it ends, does it? Right? Because guess what? After a transactionary spirituality where that equation comes in place, our faith gives us grace, we have a new life, guess what? I still have old habits, right? Maybe you're like me and you wish some of those old habits would be a little older. Go away, right? And that is relational spirituality, right? Where now these times have come in our lives where we have to deal and struggle with God over these parts in our lives and say, God, come and change me. I need your best for my life. And yes, there is an instantaneous transformation in salvation, but guess what? We've got to struggle sometimes to deal with some things. All of our classes that we talked about really have to do with our perception of who God is and where God wants us to go and to receive God's best for our life, for our family, for our future. And it all comes around that relational spirituality, not just check the box. I pray to prayer. I got work to do. I don't know about you. My life has, 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 has often had these habits that I say, Lord, come and be a part of this. And I've seen through relational spirituality, a transformation in my life. Today, more than ever, there needs to be some wrestling with the hard things of life. It is pursuing God's best for our lives. I do really think that there are some issues in our lives that we really need to just get alone with God and wrestle. Figure them out. Want God's best. Paul talks to Timothy about this. Timothy's a young man who's becoming, I guess we'd call him a pastor, right? He's entering into this, this pastoral life, and Paul is kind of guiding him through it. He says this in 2 Timothy 4, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, people are going to deal with the, the struggles of their lives, the questions that they have with God, the, even the conflicts that we have with God, by just simply surrounding themselves with people that will agree with them. Right? Scripture will call them false prophets. They may even be called wolves at different places in Scripture. And I don't know if we go around kind of pointing fingers at false prophets all the time, but the reality is we allow all these people to kind of speak into our lives, and they're not speaking the truth. And they're everywhere. And we surround ourselves. Listen, today with the amount of, of knowledge we have access to, you look hard enough and you'll find an excuse to endorse anything you don't want to do or do want to do. It's out there. Go on YouTube. Google it. 
Right? They're out there. If you want somebody to endorse your lifestyle that you know is against God, they're out there. And, and we have access to that more than ever before. But here's the thing. When God world, God's word tells us something, sometimes we just need to struggle with it. It might be hard. It might be even something that we don't want to hear or be a part of. But we have this propensity towards comfort and conformity. Right? Comfort and conformity to culture seems to be a greater value to us than wrestling with God with these hard questions of life. Really. I, I really don't like getting in conflict, right? My personality is one, you, if you know me long enough, I would have made a really good librarian, right? The whole field is kind of dying off, right? I know that. But part of me just says, if there's got to be a stack of books somewhere that I can hide in, you know? I, 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 like, I like a quiet environment. I like a simple environment. So I know I don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. I hate it. But guess what? To serve God, occasionally there will be conflict with other people. Right? Occasionally, there will be conflict with ideas. Now, now here, what we know is that the fruit of the Spirit will bring apart peace and meekness and humility. And so there's the ability to disagree without being a jerk. Right? And I'm not just simply talking about politics here because we all could get in a good argument about that any moment of any time we want to, right? But at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. And are we willing to say, you know what, in my life, I'm going to struggle with the things I have troubles with, where God is wanting to, uh, to conform us into his image, to make us more like him. Some of these topics might be one true God, the eternal soul, the exclusivity of Jesus, the purpose of our existence, accountability for our actions, moral truth, the understanding of sexuality. There's hard topics over and over and over again that our culture is dragging into our world. And for a desire to not get in conflict, we just leave it alone. Or just try to find somebody who can explain it away and we don't have to deal with the conflict. Well, guess what? Occasionally, we have to stand up. Occasionally, we just have to say with love, meekness, and humility, I'm going to wrestle with this topic. I'm going to deal with it in my family, whatever it might be. I'm going to deal with it with my friends. I'm going to live for Jesus in a way that just doesn't make it easy, right? And occasionally, our government, occasionally, the people around us might not like it. And that's okay. Let me tell you, the librarian here is telling you, it's okay to be in conflict occasionally on ideas and saying we disagree. For me, whether I feel one way or the other, I'm going to do my best to let the Word of God be my source for faith and practice. Right? And I really challenge you here. It has nothing to do with whoever's speaking up here, whatever our opinion might be. It has everything to do with what is the Word of God guiding us in and to do our best to follow it. So quick questions to ask ourselves while we seek God's best for our lives. Who are the loudest voices in my life? Okay, if we're really surrounding ourselves with individuals who just encourage us and not, you know, say things that we like to hear rather than not just the hard things to hear about who we are and what we think and how we should live, 
Who are the biggest voices in your life? Right? And there's so many ways those voices speak into our lives. And I hear to tell you that there's some popular music out here, out there right now that is false prophets. There are some podcasts that you may be listening to that is false prophets. There, there may be a YouTube channel that you like watching and it may be a false prophet. It could be a news broadcast that you are watching and it could be a false prophet that are just telling you things that are contrary to the word of God, but it's easier for us to, to, to actually consume these things so we, we just bring it in and we conform. We have comfort in it. I challenge you, wrestle with God. Deuteronomy 6.4, that, that Shema says, Hero Israel, the Lord is one, but it's, it just, it just the, that word Shema, that Shema is that, that uh, Hebrew word that says, listen. Calm down, quiet, listen. Listen to the word of God. Listen to who he is. Apply it to your lives. So who are the Lord loudest voices in your life? And I'm not one to actually point out who those voices may or may not be or should or shouldn't be, but I really encourage you, ask that question. Is the word of God the loudest voice in my life? Do I avoid the hard things intentionally? God may have challenged you in an area of your life, 20 years ago, and you know today you're still avoiding it. Could be. God is challenging us today. And here's the thing. Our society makes us think that hard is bad. When something is difficult, it's bad. It's not. It's just just difficult. And it's okay to go through hard things and to struggle. Are people ever offended with or disagree with the choices in my life? John 15. Jesus said, Remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. In other words, if you're standing up for Jesus, somebody might not like it. Right? Somebody around you may not like it, and that's okay. We can love each other and disagree. I'm going to say that again for everybody who is just napping for a second. Or or, or ten minutes. Um, We can love each other and disagree. Did you hear that? It's okay to love people and disagree. But there should be at some points in our lives where we just stand and say, God has challenged me in this area. And finally, and I think this is really important for us to spend some time on occasionally, does God approve of my choices? I think that's one to spend a little time on. Does God approve of my choices? That's a wrestling point with God. And they may be big choices. They could be jobs. They could be relationships. They could be things that you have huge commitment to, years of commitment to, and they've been choices that are contrary to what God wants for your life. And the question is, God, what, what do you want for my life? And am I willing to make the hard choices? Listen, that's some wrestling, right? I don't know if you've ever felt like just saying no to God. I have. When he's asked me something, I'm like, rather not. Right? It could be that God is asking you to pursue somebody you're in conflict with for years. 
And you've ignored it, and you've ignored it, and you've ignored it. In fact, you don't even like going to devotional time or prayer time because you know he's going to bring it up again. Right? So you don't do the deep work because you really don't want him to bring it up again. Or maybe you're the one who has the bitterness in your heart, and you've been hurt, and you struggle forgiving. I've been there. We've all been there. And maybe that bitterness has just hung around a little bit too long. Maybe, maybe there's a lifestyle choice that you have that you've just surrounded yourself with another, enough people to say, it's okay. When you know the Holy Spirit said through his word, it's not. But it's just easier to hear the voices that say, it's okay. These are the moments where we wrestle with God. And are we going to let him win? Are we going to say, Lord, I will choose today to live my life your way. It may be hard. It may cause conflict. It may require a level of bravery that maybe. You've maybe never exercised in your faith. But I challenge you today, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to let him come in and speak to you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close in just a few more moments of, of prayer and worship. In uh, Buddhist Japanese folk religion, there is this, uh, um, these three statues. They're monkeys. And it goes that if you, if you hear no evil, if you see no evil, and if you speak no evil, then you'll have no evil in your life. Uh, that's probably not true. But you, how many of you have seen the monkeys, right? They got their hand like this. There's three monkeys, right? But I think there's a, something we can learn from this little, you know, Japanese folk analogy that it's, it's easy sometimes to just go through the routine of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Just ignore him. Give lip service and integrate ourselves into the culture of being a Christian. We add in the vocabulary, God bless you, how are you brother and sister, with the point. We integrate all the what it means for the culture and our government and how we relate to it to be a Christian in it. We cover our eyes, cover our ear, cover our mouth, and we just don't listen to what God might be saying to you. In a moment, Jacob's life was changed forever with one touch from God. I don't know what God might be asking you today, but I really challenge you today to do the deep work of listening to the Holy Spirit, wrestle with these hard choices. Lord, how do you want me to live my life? Lord, what should I do about my children? Lord, what should I do about my job? Lord, how should I relate differently in my marriage? Lord, how do I change this part of my life that I know just does not bring you pleasure?
I really truly believe as we offer up these moments in our lives that our lives can be changed forever. If you'd stand with me. Once in a while, we, we pray dangerous prayers. And here's the dangerous prayer. Lord God, show me. Show me these areas of lives that I of my life that I may need changing. Show me these areas that I just need to wrestle with you. Maybe it's an idea that in your heart you disagree with, but the Word of God says differently, and you just need to trust the Word. That's a wrestling match. Are we willing to put our lives before Him? So if you would just take these few moments, bow your heads. I'm going to take a, just a moment of silence. Would you ask the Lord to guide you today? Lord, what does it mean for us to be obedient to you today, to your leading of your Holy Spirit and to your word? Give us an action plan today for obedience, we pray. challenge you today, don't run from God, don't hide from God, don't try to cover your ears from his voice. He's wanting to speak to you, he wants to guide us into the best life possible, the best way. Heavenly Father, would you help us to engage in an action plan that follows through with maybe what you're saying today in our own personal lives, these ideas, these issues that we are wrestling with with you. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to live more like Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name.